Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Today is Monday, January 11th, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Today we are continuing our study on Lifeline's statement of faith and looking at each one of these critical statements and not just understanding what we believe, but why we believe what we say we believe. And today we are looking at the sixth statement, which is looking at the sufficiency of Christ. And that statement is that we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures as a representative, substitutionary, and complete sacrifice, and that all who believe in him are justified on the ground of his shed blood. And to look at this statement, we are going to go in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9, looking at verses 11 through 22, and then Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. And today we are truly looking at the essence of the gospel through the absolute sufficiency of Christ in his life, his death, and his resurrection. Pastor R.C. Sproul said this about the sufficiency of Christ. What Jesus accomplished on the cross and in the resurrection is enough to overcome the separation between God and humanity. United with Christ, we are as close to God now as we ever will be. Through him, we have full access to the presence of God and enjoy privileges of the world to come. The writer of Hebrews goes to great lengths to prove this to his Jewish audience, the sufficiency of Christ, and that Christ is the true and prophesied Messiah. Throughout the epistle, the writer convincingly proves the merits of Jesus, just like an impassioned attorney fighting to defend the life of an innocent client. Except in Hebrews, it is the reader, it is us who is guilty. And Christ is the one who was blameless, but yet took the penalty. And the writer of Hebrews is is fighting to show that Jesus is the Messiah who lived the perfect life, the perfect sinless life, to take over the penalty that we deserve. So Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. In other words, hearkening back to the Old Testament, Jesus has come not into the man-made temple, but he has come into the ultimate temple. Verse 12, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer, sanctified for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive." 
Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And then we skip along to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1 says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure." Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor take pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put their laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. In the Old Testament, you see the high priest went into the Holy of Holies once a year, taking the blood of animals. Blood stood for life, and where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The wages of sin is death. The blood meant the death of an animal, and the death was in the place of the death of the priest and the people. God counted the blood of the animal as sufficient for cleansing the flesh, for cleansing the ceremonial uncleanliness. But this was merely temporary and only sufficient for past sins. You see, these these sacrifices of animals could not cover over future sins, but only for past sins. That means even in the present, as as men would continue to go on sinning in thought, in action, in word, in deed. These, These sacrifices only covered over the past. However, however, while the blood covered over the sin, it also could never cleanse the guilty conscience of the priest or the people. No, animal blood could never cleanse the conscience. The priest and the people knew the sacrificial system could not clear their guilty conscience. This is why when, when Isaiah comes in Isaiah chapter 53 and he gives this picture of a Messiah, it was good news for the people. 
Verse 3 says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. He brought our our, the, the, the despised nature on himself that was ours, and yet we esteemed him not. Surely he was born our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. <clears throat> you see, Jesus was a new high priest. He was the son of God. He was a better sacrifice. He was the sacrifice of himself. And this sacrifice was sufficient not only to cover past sin, but to bear the burden of our current sin, our future sin, and to totally cleanse our conscience. Verse 14 in Hebrews chapter 9 says that the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were involved in this sacrifice. Verse 14 says, through the eternal Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he offered the Son without blemish to God the Father. The result is that all the sins of God's people were covered by the blood of Jesus, satisfying the old covenant and ushering in a new covenant. The animal sacrifices foreshadowed the final sacrifice of God's son. And the death of the son reaches back to cover all of the sins of God's people in the past, forward to cover all of the sins of God's people in the future and in the presence to give us a clear, pure standing before God. Christ is sufficient to remove all of our sin and to restore us to God. So three qualifications of Christ, which make him sufficient to remove all of our sin and restore us to God. First, Jesus, because of who he is, lived the perfect life we could not live. First John 3, 5, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. Jesus was fully human and tempted fully by sin. God didn't place Jesus into some protective bubble to make him immune from the effects of, of sin or the temptation of sin. You know, God let Jesus come into the world as fully man and fully God to, to feel the effects of sin and to be tempted fully by sin. Jesus got hungry. He had needs. He had wants. He got tired. He felt emotional pain and physical pain and psychological pain. Jesus could get sick. He, he would have been, been absolutely uh, helpless to the, to the sickness of this world, to any pandemic that came through in his 33 years. He would not have been immune. And yet through it all, he never sinned. Jesus fully triumphed over sin. And he alone, because of his triumph over sin, is able to substitute for sin and to satisfy divine judgment. And that brings us to the second qualification of Christ, which makes him sufficient to remove all of our sin and restore us to God. And that is Jesus, because of who he is, died the death that we deserved. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Sin is man trying to be God. We war against God's rightful rule, reign, and authority. We want to be the God of our own life. We want control. But we also want the credit and glory of God. We're, we're glory thieves. And yet, while we are still sinners destined for the wages of sin that we have justly deserved, God substitutes and sacrifices himself for us. At the cross, God brings forth his judgment upon sin, upon Jesus. 
Jesus fully endures the judgment of God on our behalf and thus brings true and full salvation for sinners. Which brings us to the third and the last qualification of Christ, which makes him sufficient to remove all of our sin and to restore us to God. And that is that Jesus, because of who he is, conquered the enemy once and for all. Revelation 1.18 I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus is the Lord of life and death. He has cleared our conscience, which has been seared with the stains of sin and death. He is victorious. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immorality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is completely sufficient to save us and to clear our conscience. But we also receive the gifts of justification, sanctification, and glorification through the sufficiency of Christ. We saw in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 12, it says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus sat down, meaning that he completed the task. Notice the difference between the posture of the priest who stand daily, but then the posture of Christ who sits down after one act of sacrifice. Jesus is the great high priest who doesn't just bring forgiveness of sin, but brings a right standing before God. And this, as Hebrews 10 tells us, truly brings peace to our conscience. There are great differences between what Christ did and what the priest of the Old Testament did. Notice just the contrast from Hebrews chapter 10, 11, and 12. First, there are many priests. Why? Because they come, they die, and they're replaced. There are many, many priests. But Christ is our one high priest. Many priests in the old covenant, one priest being Christ. But then we see there were many sacrifices. Offering repeatedly, verse 11 says, the same sacrifices. But then we see that that Jesus comes And he offers for all time a single sacrifice. So many sacrifices of the old covenant and one sacrifice by Jesus, our high priest. But then we see offering repeatedly with the the high priest, but with our priest offering all for one time. Repeated offerings in the old covenant, one offering for all time with Jesus, the high priest. And then every high priest stands daily but Christ sat down at the right hand of God. The sitting of Christ at God's right hand means three things for us and for the sufficiency of Christ. First, the work is done. He does not stand daily to offer sacrifices for sin. The one sacrifice of himself was perfectly complete. But then second, God is satisfied with the sacrifice. God honors Christ with the seat at his right hand to show how fully he was satisfied with the debt paid for sin. This is a great picture to encourage us that our sins are fully dealt with. But then third, Christ together with his father is sovereign ruler over our enemy. That's what verse 13 stresses. 
He is waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. In other words, everything Christ died to accomplish will be accomplished. No enemy can hinder his work in the end. The atonement was utterly complete. The Father was utterly satisfied. And all the enemies will utterly fall before the reigning Christ in heaven. Beloved, because of the once and for all sacrifice of God, which was finished, satisfied the Father, and brought the enemy under sovereign control, we are freely justified, sanctified, and ready to be glorified. You see, Jesus fully justifies us. He sets us free from the penalty of sin. Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. But then Jesus fully sanctifies us. He sets us free from the power of sin and sets us apart for God to, to be used. 2 Corinthians 1 Verse 20 through 22, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. This is why through him, we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And then Jesus will glorify us, making our salvation complete. There is a point in time where our salvation will be complete. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Beloved, Christ alone is sufficient to bring about gospel salvation for us for orphans, for vulnerable children, for vulnerable women, and for families. It is so important that those we work with hold to this confession with every fabric of their being. Children cannot be saved by adoption, foster care, or loving acts of kindness. Women in crisis cannot have ultimate freedom by, by just a cold cup of water or, or a hot meal or, or just even the love of a family. No, all of these need the love of Christ. All of these need the sufficiency of Christ and salvation. All of our acts are just samples of the true salvation that must be theirs if they are to be made whole. It is essential that we believe, the adopted and foster families believe, our volunteers believe, and that we teach that salvation comes in no other name but Jesus. And because of the sufficiency of Christ, and his once and for all salvation, we now have access to God and an advocate in God the Father. Jesus is the eternal King who we forever surrender our lives to, and in turn, he is the perfect high priest who forever represents us to the Father. We have an advocate, and we now have access to God the Father. Romans 8 verse 26 reminds us, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
And then Hebrews continues in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, there is no longer a dividing wall between us and God. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Brothers and sisters, we have salvation because of the sufficiency of Christ. We have justification and sanctification and await glorification. Oh, but we also now have the benefits of our salvation, access to the Father, the ability to cry out to our Father, the ability to talk to God, the better to come to Him in prayer. And so as we start this year, as we start afresh each and every day, may we make known the beautiful reality of our salvation in the way that we cry out to our Father, in the way that we intercede to our Father, and in the way that we live our lives. True faith says, Christ, today I have sinned, but I hate my sin. For you have written the law on my heart, and I long to do it. And you are working in me what is pleasing in your sight. And so I hate the sin that I still do and the sinful thoughts that I contemplate. And this in and in this hatred of my sin and in my meager advancement in holiness, I rejoice that according to your promise, I have been perfected for all time by a single offering, your precious self, and that I now have access to God the Father. This is the true and realistic faith that saves. It's not boasting in our own strength. It's not the boast of the strong but it's the cry of the weak in need of a savior. Beloved, may we cling to the sufficiency of Christ and may we know why it is abundantly important that we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures as a representative, substitutionary, and complete sacrifice and that all who believe in him are justified on the ground of his shed blood. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. Today, we are praying for the country of Togo. 90% of Togolese are lost and without Christ. They practice voodoo and other spiritualism. We pray that it would be torn down with the truth of Christ. We pray that the church would rise up to engage in orphan care and skills and abilities that God has uniquely given them. We pray that God would raise up churches in the United States to champion the cause of the fatherless and to put Togo on their hearts. We pray for Winner, who is a pastor and partner in Togo as he enters his new role as a pastor and has recently been married. We pray for the church Winner leads in Kaptove, 20 miles from the capital of Lome, that it would become a beacon of hope for those in the surrounding area. We pray for the development of new efforts and growing relationships with Lifeline Partners in Togo. We pray for Godwin, Winner's brother, and his efforts to make a living for his family and to help provide for the needs of the orphanage he grew up in. We ask for God's blessing and direction in Godwin's efforts to grow his farm through the raising of chickens and pigs, as well as the production of eggs and corns. We pray for new lifeline partnerships to develop in Togo. 
We pray for Pastor John as he explores the best ways to care for the vulnerable children in and around Togoville. We pray God would open doors to new opportunities with orphanages who might benefit from partnerships and training in the future. And we pray for our unadopted staff that we would have clear direction from the Lord as to the next steps and best ways to move forward for where God is already at work in Togo. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we're grateful for you. We thank you for all that you are doing in our midst. We thank you for Jesus, the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, we pray that you would move in the country of Togo and throughout all of West Africa. Lord, how crippling it is to know that 90% of the Togolese are lost and without Christ. Lord God, we pray they would know the sufficiency of Christ that we have studied today. We pray that the church would, would be emboldened to make the gospel known to the 90%. We pray that the 10% would be empowered to take this gospel to their countrymen. And we pray that this little nation in West Africa of Togo would be an abundant blessing to the rest of West Africa and that your gospel would spread throughout Togo. We pray that the church would rise up and care for orphans and, and care for those who are needy and the vulnerable. We pray for Godwin and Winter, these two twin brothers who were impacted by the Life Skills Camp and who in turn are making such a difference in their country. We pray specifically for Winter and his new marriage and, and his new role as a pastor. We pray that you would strongly support him and you would make his church a beacon of hope for those in the surrounding area. We pray for Godwin and his efforts to continue to make a living for his family and in turn to provide for the orphanage where he and Winter grew up. We ask for God's blessing and direction in both of these young men's lives. We pray that you would use them in mighty ways. Lord, would you pray, would you be with Pastor John as he explores best ways to care for vulnerable children in and around Togoville? And Lord, would you use Lifeline through Unadopted to make an impact on the church and an impact on the vulnerable child throughout Togo? Lord God, go before us. Make a difference. And may the sufficiency of Christ reign in this little West African nation. It's in your great name that we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music